0: we will please turn to the book of Hebrews. Be good for some of you. Hey big man, I'm not getting used to you being way up there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, when we get over there, I'm going to expect you back down front, okay? Good to see you. At least you're big enough I can still see you. I'm glad all of you are here. I'm very, very grateful to be a part of a church like this. Very grateful to have the opportunity to uh, to be the pastor here and appreciate you all letting me do that i don 't probably say that as much as I ought to, uh, but you make a major difference in the world as you some of you may know, but others of you probably don 't recognize that you do have an impact, and uh, people do pay attention to each of you individually and your contributions and things by just giving your time, let alone your talents and Uh, money and those kind of things are something that's an encouragement to a lot of people. So I really want to tell you how much I appreciate that. I want to use this as a text this morning and I'm going to go to a number of places here because if the Bible's right, it's not because you're tired, but if the Bible's right, the Bible teaches us in Daniel chapter 7 that the devil in the last days is here to wear out the saints. I don't know if you've recognized, and I hate to give more credit than credit is due, but since COVID, it seems like the number one statement that gets said more than anything else is, I'm tired. I mean, I talk to kids that are like 18 years old, and you know what they say? They say, I'm tired. And I'm like, you've only been up an hour. You talk to some people nowadays, and they've been at work all day, and they come in and they're like i'm just tired i'm just I'm just wore out and One of the things that we fail to recognize is is that there is a difference since those things occurred just a few years ago. And the main thing is is that the emotional wear and tear on you can wear you out physically the same way physical labor can, and to not be aware of that or to not recognize that makes us foolish and our conception or our perception of what it is that's going on today. But here's our concern. Spiritually, if the Bible's right, the Bible says in the last days many shall depart from the faith and give heed to seducing spirits. The Bible says the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and be turned from the truth and unto Fables. The Bible says in Second Thessalonians, or Second Thessalonians, chapter two, He said that there will be just before the rapture a falling away first. That doesn't mean you have to be there, but I do think it's important for us to recognize that while that's happening in the world and it's happening physically and it happens emotionally, we have to pay attention to the impact spiritually. Because in the last days there's this mass exodus that seems to be taking place as far as Christians are concerned and convenience has taken place of the character that it requires just to be in attendance where it is that we're supposed to be. The devil is interested in removing you from God's house physically. He can't take you away spiritually. If you look, if you will, the attention will be turned and we'll go to Galatians 6 after this. The Bible says in verse 1, Wherefore... Seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. I'm sorry, Hebrews 12, excuse me. Great to hear the pages. I did that on purpose. (laughs) Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience... The race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners against themselves. Watch it. Lest ye be wearied and faint. Where? Amen. Brother Ernie, you pray. Ask the Lord to help us, would you please? Continue in prayer with you, Lord. We want to thank you, Lord, for a place that we still can come to hear the Word of God. Lord, we want to thank you that you have a chosen man that you've picked out to be a preacher, to be the pastor of this church. Lord, we want to ask you this morning, Father, that you would speak through him this morning, give him the liberty, Lord, give him freedom to be able to preach. Lord, I pray that you breathe on him breathe on your word. Father, I pray that you speak to each one of our hearts. God, we're so needy. Lord, we ask for help this morning. Lord, we ask this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Let me say this as we get started. If you'll turn to Galatians chapter number 6. And I want to show you a couple of things. Because oftentimes the getting weary in doing the right thing doesn't ever come to our mind. Too much of a good thing. But in the context of what he's trying to say here and what he just said to you in the book of Hebrews, is to not get weary, don't get wearisome, don't get tired, not just physically, but don't just get tired of doing what is right to do in the last days it's hard to determine where the priorities lie And oftentimes, it tends to fall toward finances more than it does toward what your relationship is with the Lord. And if you're not careful before long, you'll lose that hand that your hand is in the middle of, holding on to. And before long, you're so busy being here and there, that unknown to you, the hand's done turn loose, and you have already strayed away, and you're not even aware of that. You know what he does? He gives you a warning, and he said, don't get tired of doing right. Paul says in Galatians chapter number six, pick it up in verse seven, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well doing. He said, we will reap, but there's a big if there. <clears throat> and that big if is what? If we what? That means you don't grow weary. If you look over in Galatians chapter number 5, the verse number 7, he says, you did run well, but something got in the way. One of the things that can weary us or wear us out is other people. In the Luke chapter number 17, he said, you have to be aware of, be not deceived in this sense of the word. He said, offenses will come. Woe unto him through who they come, better him a millstone be hung about his neck, cast into the depths of the sea, than to have offended one of these little ones. But he said to you and I, offenses are going to come. One of the things that hinders us in the day and time that we are, is when we're doing right, that we often get as payment for doing right, we get wrong. No matter how hard you try, no matter how much you try to do what is right for you to do, all of a sudden you don't get the payment you think you should deserve for that. And guess what that can do? That can hinder you, that can hamper you, because you have the misconception in your mind, the expectation that if I'm serving the Lord, then I should be getting good things. Can I remind you of this? Jesus never did anything wrong. And he was greeted with a whip and three nails. Most of us don't recognize that in the last days, oftentimes that individuals can, can cause us to stutter, stammer. Uh, and the word I'm looking for is, is to trip or to fall, to, to mess up along the way. Because oftentimes persecution from other people can make us weary. In the Christian life, you must recognize that just like anything else in life, there is always going to be a pushback. And while we seem to accept that in every other thing in life, when it comes to the spiritual life, we expect it to always be flowery beds of ease and smooth sailing. But I'm here to tell you that the Bible's right. He tells us we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness, rulers of darkness in high places. So there is a constant pressure to try to prevent you from moving forward in your walk with the Lord. I'd like to say this if I could uh, look at there in Galatians chapter number 6 where you are and recognize that here in context he's saying don't get weary in working or serving the Lord. Don't get weary in doing whatever it is that you are doing. If you haven't found something to do, Paul said be careful to maintain good works, not for salvation. But one of the things that does help you is is when you have a responsibility to do certain when you have a job or a task to do, it tends to glue you to what it is that you're supposed to do and tends to kind of keep you in the row. Many of us don't necessarily like our jobs, me excluded. I love mine. The job I had before, I love that. But many people don't like their job. But what keeps them in the harness is the responsibility that they feel upon uh, upon themselves that they have to provide for somebody other than themselves. So when the clock goes off, they get up in the morning and they go to work. They go to the salt mine. They go to the coal mine. They go to do the things that they don't necessarily like to do. But they have to do those things. But spiritually, we tend to divorce ourselves from the responsibility that is incumbent or it should rest upon us to recognize while we're down here, after we're saved, we should be doing something for the Lord. After all, at the judgment seat of Christ, if I read my Bible correctly, every man's work shall be tried of what sort it is. Is that what the Bible says? So if that's the case, ladies and gentlemen, that means that what we do for Jesus Christ is equitable to a work. I don't care if you're taking care of recruits and soldiers. I don't care if you're working in the nursery. I don't care if you're cleaning up the building or cutting grass or leading songs or singing a special or playing an instrument or preaching a sermon. It's the issue of if you're going to get a reward when you get to heaven, what is it you're doing for Him here? You getting saved is something He did for you. But now that you are saved, are you doing anything for him? Maybe it starts off with simple attendance. Maybe it starts off with learning how to just be faithful. Maybe you don't show up and then all of a sudden everybody puts you in the harness. It's just a matter of I'm here if you need me. I'm on the bench if you need me. I'm, I'm right here. Is there anything I can do? Not right now. Oh, well, if you can't use me like the fellow said here before. He came here and said he wanted to do this and this and this. And I said, I don't have a spot. And he said, well, I believe the Lord called me to be here. And I said, well, fill up your car and we'll talk about getting a van. And he said he missed the geographic location. He said he really was supposed to be across the uh, street over there and across the bridge over there to be working at a big church that was going to give him a bus to fill up because he was going to be a, quote, a bus captain. I said, okay, we don't have buses here. But it doesn't mean we don't have anything to do. But I said, I have a lot of people around here that would like to be doing something. You think I'm going to kick them to the side and just put you into the harness and doing that? Well, I just believe the Lord called me here and this is what I'm supposed to do. I said, this ministry doesn't exist for you to have a ministry. I said, we're here to try to serve the Lord the best way we can. But let me just ask you this. Just think about it hypothetically for just a moment. If once we're saved, we're judged at the judgment seat of Christ for what we do, what are we doing? You know what the devil would like to do? He would like to have you sit on your blessed assurance because guess what? There is nothing that he can do about your soul. Your soul is saved and you are going to heaven whether he likes it or not. But what he would like to do because he is a thief and a robber besides being a murderer, he would like to steal from you at the judgment seat of Christ. Maybe it boils down to you just learning to read your Bible, learning to get spiritually better. As we studied this morning, the most important thing is your fellowship, your relationship with Jesus Christ. After you're saved, learning Him more than just your Savior. Learning things about Him. Maybe it starts there. Maybe that's the embryo. Maybe that's the beginning of when things begin to grow up. Until that is firmly established, you're not ready for the next phase. I'm not talking about, now that I'm saved, get busy. Win them, wet them, and work them, and then, you know, whip them, and then run them out the door. That's not what I'm talking about. But I am saying that it is a biblical truth in 1 Corinthians 3 and Romans chapter 14 and 2 Corinthians 5. All of those passages indicate that once you are saved, God is going to judge you based on what you've done for Him since you've been saved. That's a good reason, if nothing else, for church attendance. You know, we can get weary of gathering for worship services. A lot of churches nowadays, and I have been told flat out that most churches nowadays don't have any longer a midweek service. And I've been told that you need to stop having a midweek service. And I said, well, I need the midweek service. I said, it's more for me than it is for them. They just come to tolerate me because they're trying to help me stay in the battle. And then most of them are now canceling, due to a lack of interest, they're canceling Sunday night services. Well, ladies and gentlemen, listen, even if we don't have the amount of manpower, and we're starting to get there, but if we don't have the manpower to have the nursery open, you can put your blanket on the floor and have the nursery in here for all I care, but we're not going to happen to have a cert not cancel a service because we can't accommodate, as long as we got flushing and toilets. And as long as, you know, that's more for the women than the men, we got trees. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, it, we've become so accustomed to modern day conveniences that we get this idea this mindset that the church is here to make me comfortable and to make me feel like I'm in a lush environment. No, we're here to learn about Jesus. And so we're not here. Do we have all the programs? No, we don't. We have preaching all the time, a lot of it. As one fellow said, he said, you're going to have to learn to trim things down. I said, I don't know, it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks. I said, you know, I'm trying to trim it off. I have gone from an hour and 15 to an hour and seven or eight. <laughs> but you know what can happen is, is that we can grow weary in, in worshiping God. You know the first step in the book of Hebrews teaches you an Abel worshiped with God. How did Abel worship? He offered a more excellent sacrifice. Your beginning of your relationship begins with worship. We shouldn't allow those things to deter us. Getting up and listening to the songs that you heard this morning. Just a sinner saved by grace. What a great reminder. What a great reminder to hear the old hymn, How Great Thou Art, and and to be heard of hearing that kind of a song. And then to get up and see people singing songs and shaking hands. What a blessing that is. Don't know how long it'll last. Somebody's going (coughs) to cough. Oh, you're going to die. You know, okay, well, you shook my hand. Now I'm sick. Well, okay, you know, stay home for a few days and get better. But can I just say this to you? Oftentimes we can get wearied. We can get worn out with doing what's right to do. Why do you go to church, preacher? Because I'm the preacher. That's the easy answer. But I'd like to think that if I wasn't the preacher that I would go to church. You say, why? Because it's right to do. It's right to go and hear songs sung about the Savior and to hear preaching that exalts the Savior and edifies the saint. And yes, convicts us as saint and sinner to get closer to Jesus because it's right to do, to pay attention to my spiritual life. It becomes imperative in the last days to not be so overwhelmed with all the things going on in the world today that I neglect my spiritual life. The spiritual life is the life that is going to last for eternity. And if you make the comparison as far as ours is concerned, isn't God good to us that we don't, aren't required to go every day? But I can go every day. I can come into His presence. There's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And I can enter in boldly into that throne room anytime, day or night, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I can have my own worship service with Him and I can walk into there with praise and thanksgiving. And before long, you know what happens? My whole day begins to change. I don't care how cloudy it is outside because I've got my mind in the right place and I realize I've gotten wrapped up with things that are down here on this earth, terrestrial things instead of extraterrestrial things, things that are up there in the extraterrestrial sense. Not UFOs. But to realize I can go from clouds to clouds. Amen. One of the things that happens is the devil wants to wear you out and gets you to thinking that there's just too much time. Listen, can I say this? If you don't have time to worship with God, you'll never have time to walk with God. If you don't set aside those times that He has preordained for you to be able to come and to say, I'm providing you an opportunity. Don't think you're ever going to have much of a relationship if all you did is meet Him. Come on. If you don't spend some time with Him, it'll be like the girl you met that you thought might work out, but you never got to know her well enough to go out on a date, yeah, amen. and she's now a figment of your imagination. Because you're in a bad situation. That's good preaching. You guys should listen to that. And then the next thing you realize, you know what happens? Before long, even in your relationship maritally, you can get so busy doing things that you don't have the time to walk and spend time and talk. And before long, she's different, you're different, and then you have irreconcilable differences. Real good that one's going to come back and hit me, but I know it's going to be true. You say, why? You get busy. But you don't get busy doing bad things. Our problem today with us as Bible believers is not us getting busy doing bad things. It's getting busy doing things that the rest of the world think are absolutely no problem at all. As a matter of fact, if you make it a habit to work on Sunday and you get time and a half overtime, you will justify, you know what, I'm making money now, I'm providing for my family. He that provided not for his own is worse than an infidel. I'm working hard and I'm paying, at least I'm not lazy, at least I'm going to work. And the Lord said, yeah, but when was the last time that you and I had some time to walk and to talk? Remember the song we used to sing? We sang it at the nursing home for years and years. I come to the garden alone where the dew is still on the roses. Remember the song, and he, with me, and he, you can't expect him to talk if you ain't willing to walk. You say, but preacher, that's no, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to tell you that it's not the good, the bad things that you get tore up with. I know there's exceptions to the rule I know people get off and do whacked out stuff I realize people can get involved in every kind of sin you can possibly imagine but you folks that are here today that's not your miss that's not where you wind up having a problem where you wind up having a problem is just getting busy being here and there and doing things that are good and you're still morally straight and you're still doing what you're supposed to do and you still love the Lord and you still believe the book and that hasn't moved it's just your faithfulness to do what God wants you to do has all of a sudden begun to move away and then before long the relationship between you and him is cold some tragedy enters into your life and you get ready to pray and the lord's like oh interesting to hear from you because he's viewing things from an eternal perspective and we're like but lord i need you now and the lord's like i needed you to be there sunday preacher you're just talking about uh, uh, church attendance i am talking about church attendance You say, why? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 10 and verse number 25, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Even more so such as you see the day approaching. You really believe that we're toward the end of the time and the Lord's coming back any day? Then that means I'm supposed to exhort one another, encourage one another, edify one another to do what? Come to church. Oh, preacher, you're not required for church attendance. Church attendance isn't required for you to be saved. Church attendance isn't required for you to know that you're saved. You know what he says? He said, don't forsake the assembling yourselves together. You are living to see an explosion or implosion is the correct word there from the inside out of individuals who are now being pulled apart and would rather sit in front of a screen than to be with people and now all of a sudden we don't like being shoulder to shoulder and cheek to cheek with individuals that are in the church because it makes us uncomfortable we don't mind jamming on a plane or a baseball stadium (coughs) right we don't mind getting on a bus we don't mind getting on some other means of transportation we don't mind sitting at a restaurant and getting all jammed up in the restaurant is that right but you come to church (coughs) Some of you are already thinking about the Jubilee. Preacher, we're already full. If we had even another hundred people coming here, where would you put them? What difference does that make? Your job is to be where you're supposed to be. Don't forget Thomas. I bet you Thomas regrets for an all eternity he had been there the time the Lord showed up. Well, Thomas got in on it. Thomas didn't get on everything that he could have got if he'd have been in church on Sunday night. Which is when the rapture is going to happen, by the way. I don't know what Sunday night, but it's going to be on a Sunday night. And those of us that are in church, we're going to be ahead of those of you that ain't. You can't prove that, but you can't prove it not. not. Now listen to me here so that you'll grab a hold of this concept. The Lord would not have placed that in the Bible if there is not a reward that comes for just being faithful. You are speaking to people that they're fixing to widen this road. Whether you knew that or not, I don't know. They're fixing to widen this road and put in turn lanes. You say, why are they going to widen Hartley Road? Because we're here. Because God said they need a turning lane to be able to turn into that parking lot because there's so many people that are there. He's forecasting that people are going to be coming into this place. And so the city finally got in line with God and they're going to widen the road. We didn't ask for it. You say, you got to be kidding. They're going to put in sidewalks too. We're going to be in high cotton. You say, why? God's not done with His church yet, but God does give us a warning. He says, hey, as you see that day approaching, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. The old-fashioned, old-timey meetings like I'm going to next week, the meetings in the mountains and the camp meetings and the revival meeting they're going the way of the American Indian. They are passing off the scene because people no longer want to gather under the umbrella of the gospel. Amen. And all of a sudden it's like, well, you know, can you just like broadcast that and we can just get our cinnamon roll or our donut or whatever. The Lord said, no, you need to come. Uh, you know, I realize we got into a habit during that time of COVID, and for whatever the reason, I'm not here to make a comment about that, but everybody got accustomed to working from home. And you know what came with working from home? Worshipping from home. And I don't care what you say, worshiping at home ain't the same as worshiping in church. Yeah. I mean I've had some great experiences in my office and under my desk at my house and God has spoke to me sometimes in an airplane and God spoke to me sometimes at my house and at my desk but more times than not God has spoken to me inside a church house at a church meeting sometimes in the music and more times than not through preaching I shudder to think what I've missed and just hearing a message on tape it just ain't the same I mean, you know, you can't put the Holy Ghost on tape. I listen to some of those things and I think, yeah, I'm good, but man, I sure do like being here when he's in the place. You know what? Even back in the book of Mark there, you'll find out there's four guys that have a friend of theirs that's sick. You remember that? And the house is full. Do you remember that? If you ever played cards before, you know four of a kind beats a full house anyway. Some of y'all are like, yeah, I'm embracing that. I'm I'm good. That's a good illustration from a bad life. And the rest of y'all are like, Oh, did he? Yeah, he did. You know what those guys did? Because the house was full, they cut a hole in the roof and let their friend down in the midst of a crowded situation. I, I wish I had friends like that. Amen. That if they knew I needed to get to Jesus, that the crowd didn't prevent them from saying, Hey, he needs Jesus. Can I say this? As people drive back and forth and they see the parking lot full, last week I stepped out, I went to literally to crank up the car because it was hot. We had a meeting that we had for lunch and so I go out there to crank up the car while she's finished all the rat killing back here. And I look back here and they're lined up all the way down there and across the back like a snake and like this way, like this. And I just went out and I kind of gave a little silent kind of, (laughs) <laughs> you say, what did you think about that? Traffic jam leaving church. I'm thinking, man, does it get any better than that. I remember the days when we were here doing good to have 15 or 20 people and we thought we were running over at the scene, and 8 or 10 of them were kids. I remember the days where you could park under the pine trees. You could park anywhere you wanted to park and now all of a sudden there are people trying to get out of church because saying to you, let's don't get weary of doing that. Can I say this to you if I could please? Numbers chapter 21, would you like to turn there? While you're turning there, can I say, part of the way that the church grows is by a witness. Yeah. Amen. Can I define that? A witness is not always you got to give them Soul winning. Sometimes, you know what you have to do? You just have to tell them what Jesus did for you. Let the Lord worry about their soul. You can't save their soul anyway. But haven't we kind of gotten away from just telling somebody, hey, let me just tell you what Jesus did for you. Remember the woman at the well? Right? So she had no special church members class. She didn't have a soul winning class. She didn't know about the four spiritual laws or the Romans road remember that? All she could do was go back into town with those boys that were Bible students. And all they could bring back was food for themselves. Hallelujah! But everybody else can just hold on just a minute. But, but can I say this to you? All she had in her repertoire to get people to come to Jesus was come see a man that told me everything I ever did. And she turned out the entire town. Wouldn't it be a great day if you didn't have this pressure to have to know all these verses? And I'm all for it. But wouldn't it be a blessing? You know what? It becomes more, oh, well, you use the word apropos, you know it becomes a, a, a better witnessing tool for you to just be honest and say, let me tell you what Jesus did for me. And give them a testimony of when you got saved or give them a testimony of what the Lord did for you along the way or how God provided for you supernaturally or how God helped you along the way. Do you not think that if you gave that, that people would be interested and saying, listen, I don't know all that other stuff, but why don't you come to church with me? Oh, we are so quick to invite them to a concert or to a ball game or to go fishing or to go hunting or to come see your kids play whatever sport that they are excelling at or come to see them at a spelling bee or whatever else it is that makes them oh you're so quick hey don't you want to come see nowadays you know what they do they make a big blowout over graduating from kindergarten (laughs) that's insane that's almost as if to say we better better go ahead and congratulate them now because they may not make high school (laughs) let's go ahead and let them experience the graduation thing because at least they got out of kindergarten but there's no guarantees right You get these invitations, and and I and I appreciate the invitations, but you have all these invitations, and it's like they're getting out of preschool. They're going into pre-kindergarten. And they're gonna graduate. Would you come to the graduation? of, Of what? They're getting out of preschool, they're going into kindergarten. And they're having a graduation for that. We used to call that change of diapers. I guess that's all changed now. Hey, guess what? My my kid's coming out of diapers now. They're fully potty trained. That's what we used to do with animals. They're housebroken. It's part of life. It's not a graduation ceremony. But it's like we're gonna let's let's throw a party, okay? But can I ask you this? We're talking about a witness. Can I say this to you? Has it kind of grown mundane to you? Has the Lord quit doing things for you? Has He not excited you lately? Has your heart not burned inside of you in a while? Has it not been the fact that, thank God I got everything else messed up, I'm a soup sandwich, but bless God I am going to heaven when I die. I got that part of it right. And if that doesn't excite you, then guess what? Maybe you need to get the strut out of your step and get some calluses on your knees and pause and think for just a minute how good God has been. I'm so sick of hearing Joel Osteen saying, God's good all the time. Bible believers of all people ought to be able to say that. And we're like, well, He's good, but... Well, the world would be a great place if it weren't for people. Look in the mirror. We don't believe in evolution. Although, I'm not sure what stage some of you are in. You still got your tail. It's up around your shoulders on a regular basis. Well, (laughs) preacher done gone off the deep end now. (laughs) God's been good to us. And and He's enlightened us with the book that we have. And knowing Him and the fellowship with Him. And you know what? It's just time that we just go say, you know something? Yeah, the life is a mess. The world is a mess. My life is even a mess. But God's good. God's been good to me that allows me the strength to get through the trouble, whatever that trouble may be. Some of you have trouble in your life that will never go away. The pain and the ache and the hurt will not go away. But God is still with you and you still got a testimony. You're not going to punish God by not being here. I think the reason some people don't come is because we just don't ever tell them. Usually you tell people what you're excited about, and they get excited with you. Is that right? You kids that are in college, you're getting ready to take a class. Somebody's told you it was really good, like underwater basket weaving, and you're thinking, that would really be cool. (laughs) And then you get excited about it, and the next thing you know, four kids are in the same class with you because you got so excited about the class you're taking. You get ready to go to a party. You get ready to go to the beach. You get ready to go do some activity. And guess what? You don't want to go by yourself. You tell other people. And it's that excitement that is in there. That witness, if you'll if you allow me to use the word, that says to you, Hey, don't you want to be where I'm going to be? Wouldn't that be a blessing? You ought to want to come with me, man. I mean, the waves are four foot tubing and it's glassy. That's if you're a surfer. Hey man, I got a real good spot. Deer trails are running every which way. There's are scrapes all over the place and rubs. When put you in a stand, you probably put a big one on the ground. Oh, I better go. Man, we got a ball game coming and we're in the playoffs. Wouldn't you like to see? Right? But you've ever paused to think something has sequestered that witness. The smile, our billboard that's on our face is like, oh, we're so excited about the new football season. Man, I heard some guys talking about it yesterday. Yeah, we're all getting together for the game. We're going to so-and-so's house and he's bringing wangs and he's bringing the banes and he's bringing so-and-so and they're getting the chip. And they, and Oh, I hope she makes that dip, man. She got to bring that dip. And they're going back and forth like that. And I thought, you know what? Invite me. It sounds like I'd like to come. <laughs> they were excited about just getting together to watch a ball game on TV. Yeah, right, right. And I thought, you know what would be good? If people got that excited about going, why not you come to church with me? Yeah. Well, we have a good time there. Y'all going to have coffee? We can probably find you a cup of coffee. Don't get it around the preacher. He gets too much of that, you won't ever get out. What do you got there? We got Jesus. Amen. Uh, what do we got there? Man, we got an atmosphere where we get to brag on Jesus and hear Jesus bragged on. And we get our mind off the things where moth and rust doth corrupt and get them up into eternity. And we get our mind in the right place because it matters where it is that we're going. And all of a sudden, things change. I wonder if our faith said If maybe more people would be here. Oh, preacher, you're just worried about filling up the building. I ain't done nothing. The Lord's filling it up. Some of y'all are hoping He don't. Some of y'all are like, I like us four and no more. Well, that's because the limelight don't shine on you quite as much anymore. But let me just say this. The limelight's supposed to be on Him. Let your light so shine among men. I think it does. I think the reason that people don't follow us here... our light does shine on what means the most to us we can get them involved in everything else why not in the most important thing are you in Numbers 21 I think that passage says that they became wearied because of the way is that what it says there it would be Numbers chapter number 21 look down there about uh, verse 4, 3, 4 I'm not there I'm over in Isaiah 4, what does it say brother Russell read it for me loud Because of the way. That's it. That's what I'm looking for. Can I say this to you? In the way of life, there's always plenty to be discouraged about. Whether you're saved or not. Did you know individuals that are not saved, they still have heartbreak? They still have heartache? They still have death? They still have divorce? Don't freak out. They have every problem you have. Only difference is they ain't got Jesus. But sometimes the misconception is is that because I'm doing what I'm supposed to do and I've been doing it for a long time but I don't see any benefits package. I'm not seeing some huge change. My wife didn't come back. My husband didn't come back. My kids didn't return from the pig pen. My grandkids are out in left field somewhere. You know what I've wondered sometimes? I wondered one time about this. I wondered why my dad's been gone now for 30 years or so and why my mom is still left behind. Amen. You know what I got to thinking about this morning early? I got to thinking maybe the Lord left her behind to pray for me. Amen. Maybe that's the reason that she's here. Cuz one thing is mamas and their boys, they, you know, they tend to love us a little bit. Sorry girls, but mamas just Not that you're not loved, but it ain't the same. And daddies can't love like mama's love. Oh no, you can't. A boy comes in there and says, you know, Daddy, my finger hurts. Get out of here, man. Get a band-aid. What's wrong with you? Mama comes in there and she kisses it and makes it well, blows on it and puts a little Mercurochrome on it, you know, wraps it up with a big old bandage and stuff like that. And then she comes in there and she's indignant with you and she's mad. And she's like, you know, well, well, what did you want me to do? And you know, well, the little boy will say, well, you could have said, ouch. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Daddies can't love like mamas can love. Right? But the Bible says when mother and father forsake you, there's one father that can. Amen. The Lord will take you up. You know what? I hate to tell you this, ladies and gentlemen, but the way sometimes is arduous, it's, it, 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 it's, it, it's heavy. It's hard. The, the, the pathway is oftentimes covered with rocks. Holes, pit, pits, punji sticks, potholes, right? Sometimes the way can be wearisome. You know where the Lord said, don't get weary in the way? Why? Here's what happens when we get weary in the way. We start looking at where we're at and quit looking at where we're going. The reason we get so upset about where we're at and the reason we're so weary in the way is because we're spending so much time focusing on what's right here in front of us instead of looking to the author and finisher of our faith and pressing toward the mark and the high calling of God. It's difficult, and I've used this illustration before with some of your visits, so I'll just repeat it quickly. Years ago, I was the donkey that my my grandfather's mule died. And then I came and I began to fill in that position and I would step inside that plow. Some of you are thinking, I can see that, that makes perfect sense. And, and I, I step into that plow and I would pull. Well, the problem with that is, is that you're constantly looking where you're going, especially when that sun hat had come off and he'd holler, get off my beans, get off my corn, because the rows are there and you're supposed to stay in the row. You know what you would think in your mind is that I could plow straighter if I just keep looking here. But the problem is is that if you got a long row to plow, you know what'll happen? You'll find out one leg is longer than the other one, and before long, you know what'll happen? You think you're plowing in a straight row, but before long that row will either go one way or the other, or it'll look like something like this. So you know what he told me? We got to the end of the thing, turned around and look, and I'm thinking, I did good. I made it to the end of the field. How long is this to the front door? I turned around, man, I'm thinking, oh my goodness. I mean, I was. it was like, now in my mind, because I'm watching every step I'm taking, I didn't have anything to go by. I'm just thinking every step I'm taking, I'm, I know I'm doing the things that I'm supposed to be doing. I was only off about one or two degrees when I started. But by the time I got to the end of the row, I can't even tell you how horrible that looked. Thank the Lord for great instruction because Papa, he said, "Boy, come here." So I took a little harness and set it down right there, and he had the plow up here. For me, it was up here at the time. He said, "Now here's what I want you to do." He said, "You see that fence post down yonder? The old sawed-off creosote post that had broken off there, and a little bob wire, rusted bob wire, hanging off the end of it there." And I said, Yes, sir. And he said, When I put you back in the harness, he said, I want you to just keep on plowing. He said, Don't worry about what you might step in or step on. I'll keep that lookout for you. He said, All I want you to do is, is pull the plow hard as you can pull it and steady. Just keep your eye on that mark. See, it makes perfect sense now, but as a kid, 9, 10, 11 years of age, that doesn't make sense. And so the next thing you know, I'm plowing. And turned around, and right as I turned around to go back the other way, that line right there, man, was like somebody hung a plumb line off of it. He said, now you see that tree stump down there? I said, yes, sir. He said, don't take your eyes off of it. And I plowed, and after I plowed about three or four rows, he said, now look at that. And I learned a very valuable lesson. I learned that when you look down, you plow crooked. (laughs) Who don't know that? I didn't. But here I am now bumping 70 and I know when the plow has a tendency to come up out of the ground and when the row starts getting crooked, I know what's happened. I've taken my eyes off the mark. And the next thing you know, I'm all over the place. And when I'm all over the place, guess what happens? I get consumed with the pitfalls and the potholes. The next thing you know, I get consumed with, I'm going to go ahead and say it, with people. (laughs) Just plow. This fella come up there. He had a couple of hunting dogs and all that. And his uh, dogs had been getting out. And my papa had kept warning him because he kept eating my nana's cats. And he kept warning. Him. He brought them dogs up. And them dogs are, oh, yo, yo, yo. They're over there. They're on the leads and stuff like that. And he's over there by where the little gate coming into the garden is. And we're plowing. And I got ready to turn around and look over that. He said, Never mind that. You keep your eye on that mark. I said, But papa, them dogs, he said, Never mind that. Keep your eye on that mark. Just keep walking. You know what I know now? I know that when I hear, yo, 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 you know what I need to do? I need to keep my eyes on the mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some of you are so consumed with others that all of a sudden you've stopped plowing a straight line. That's good. And guess what happened? You've become weary in the way. There is no better way. Now I'll give you the simple stuff here if you're not saved. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth and life. No man comes to the Father but by me. But the children of Israel got weary in the way. You say, what happened? They started listening to everybody else. And the next thing you know, they began to go in circles. And they quit doing what God said to do by faith. And they started doing what they thought they could do. And then you had the ten and the two. And then before long, you know what happened to them. They wind up getting kicked out there, out there in the wilderness. Until Joshua comes along. And the Lord tells Joshua, he said, tell these people they've come traveled this way long enough. Making circles. You ready to get something tough? Some of you keep circling the same mountain. And that mountain is a person, a place, or a thing in your life that occurred. And all you're doing is digging a rut around it. And as that old preacher used to say so effectively, there is nothing any different than a rut and a grave except a rut is a grave with both ends kicked out. You weary of the way? Maybe it's because you're on the wrong way. Tired of serving the Lord? I've done my time. Can you find that for me in the Bible? Moses is 80 when the Lord puts him in the game. Can you imagine riding the bench for 80 years when you know you got all the skills? Could you imagine that? Called of God when he's 40. Has supernatural ability and skills. Is that right? Messes up, goes on the backside of the desert. And the Lord doesn't call him until he's 80 years of age. And said, I'm ready to put you in the game now. You know what most of us would have done? I'm not going out there. I'm 80 now. You missed your chance. I'm past my prime. Get somebody else and do that. Moses says, and I stutter. And the Lord said, but you're the guy. Sometimes we're impatient in the way. We don't like it because God's timing is not our timing. And we want it now. I want it now. I want it now. You know what God does? God's trained grind or our, our mill grinds exceedingly slowly but exceedingly fine. He's not in a hurry. Are you weary of the way? There's only one reason you'd be weary of the way. You're either not on the right way or you've just gotten tired. Come to 1 Thessalonians 4, and I'm going to close. <coughs> you've just gotten tired of doing what's right to do. You get weary and given of yourself or of your substance, your time or your talents. Well, I've been doing that for a long time. There's no expiration on that, ladies and gentlemen. But I know this, I know that if you're not sold out to Him before long, you're not getting the return that you think you should be getting, and therefore it becomes wearisome. And what you used to consider to be a wonderful opportunity to be a volunteer all of a sudden becomes more than you want to do. I don't know if you know this or not. This something that needs to be brought to bear. You have... Ladies here that have been teaching Sunday school for over 20 years. Over 20 years. They've seen your kids come and go. And go into now Woodard's class and Brother Sam's class and then come out of there. And some of those kids that started in that Sunday school are sitting in the congregation today. They're married and they have their own kids. 20 years of faithfulness. But you know what can happen? After a while, teaching them snot-nosed kids can get to be burdensome. And all of a sudden, the toleration and the grace you had when you first did it, all of a sudden it gets less and less important. Vacation, Bible school, nursery. You say, why? Because when you grow older, you're less patient. And so biblically, what we've tried to do in our Bible-believing circles is is to make it almost like a rite of passage that when you hit this age, you're immune to have to do anything. Yet the Bible teaches you that you, younger, you older women are to teach your younger women how to love their husbands. Is that what they learn by listening to you, ma'am? You're an older woman, right? Do they learn how you're, they're supposed to love their husbands or do they learn how their hus- your, your husband's a jerk? And how he's mean-spirited. And how he doesn't do everything right. It's getting serious as a sack full of rattlesnakes now. You're teaching those kids something. There's no doubt. But all of a sudden, you know what begins to happen? You get weary in the way. You get weary in the giving of yourself anymore. Which is what a marriage is about. Marriage is, in all honesty, two people trying to lose a tug of war. Both of you are so busy trying to lose. So you say, it shouldn't be that way. Bless God. I'm the man of the house, or not? Okay. Come see me after you cross that 40 year mark, sonny. You're going to have to learn somewhere along the line that you can be in charge, but sometimes you've got to lead from behind. Sure. That woman stuck with you for all those years, you can have a little grace with her in her last years. Amen. Amen. And preacher, she don't look like she did back, you don't either. Amen. She don't think like she used to, you don't either. Matter of fact, if you look real hard, you don't know which one of you has which half of the Alzheimer's. You got half timers, and each of you got half. Could I get a witness? You say things, and you're like, I already said that. No, you didn't. Yes, you did. Yes, I did. No, I didn't. Yes, I did. I said that. That is not what you said. It is what I said. No, it is not what you said. It is what I said. Well, this is what I meant. See, you didn't say it. Are you calling me a liar? Next thing you know, it's like. Can somebody help me? Get weary of giving of yourself. You never give of yourself, you'll never give of your substance. I want to give you this one here, if I can. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to 18. One of the things he tells you is, is not to grow weary. The Lord Himself try to remember as much as I can shall descend from heaven with a shout the voice of the trump of God the dead in Christ shall rise first and then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with them and so shall we ever be with the Lord wherefore comfort one another yes. with these words Amen. the rapture has now been sort of spun into a method or a motive for escape We're wanting to get out just because we think times are going to be perilous. Finances are going to dry up. War is going to break out. So, as Job said, skin for skin, all that a man hath he give for his life. The the joyous return of looking for Jesus to come back is no longer we're just being glad to see Jesus and all the things that go to heaven. I'm just saying that some of us in the last days have said, man, I sure hope the rapture happens before the banks close. I sure hope the rapture happens before there's another outbreak of some epidemic. I sure hope the rapture happens before I have to wear that stupid mask again. I sure hope the rapture happens before Russia invades or China comes up through Mexico. Or they use their nuclear weapons that are docked right off the East Coast and the West Coast. And their hypersonic missiles are over here and they use their missile called Satan and it's so fast that we can't even shoot it down. Well, I sure hope the rapture happens before the United States is destroyed and we become a third world country. I sure hope the rapture happens before another hurricane hits. Are you seeing the picture? I'm not trying to be humorous. I'm simply saying that we've gotten to a point where the rapture now is just a method of escaping our own peril as opposed to, hey, Jesus is coming. What a blessing. And then secondly, our emphasis has been so much on the perilous times that are coming that our emphasis is off of the judgment seat of Christ. And what what the rapture means is our time is up. And it's time to give an account to God for what we've done in the body, whether it be good or bad. We're back wherever we started, full circle. We've become weary in just lifting up and thanking God for the fact that we get out before the actual tribulation occurs. Now there's a sort of human slant that's being advocated in a lot of the churches instead of just talking about the rapture it's just this method of man you need to get saved so you don't have to be here to participate in how horrible the world is going to be. You're know, you going to go to hell. You need to get saved because you don't want to go to hell. Not because you don't want to miss the invasion from China or Russia or some young coon or whoever. I think we've grown weary about doing what we'll call doomsday As many people see it, prophecies. Hey, Jesus is coming. Yeah, they've been saying that forever. I'm not really worried about that. I'm more worried about the state of the economy than Jesus coming. Don't grow weary of looking for Jesus. Don't grow weary of every day waking up and say, perhaps today. Maybe to be the day will be the day where the Lord descends from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel. Maybe the day will be the day when the twinkling of an eye, your body will be changed into a body like His and we'll be caught up together with Him Amen. and be there forever. Maybe today Amen. will be that day. And get excited just about Jesus coming, Amen. not about what it's going to allow you to avoid. Amen. What an what a unusual comparison. Yes, Is Jesus better than a nuclear attack? Well, yeah, who doesn't know that? But I'm not getting saved to avoid a nuclear weapon. Amen. Can I say this to you? When Hiroshima was around and Nagasaki was around, they dropped two atomic bombs on that, uh, those two cities that were there, and they killed thousands of individuals. Some of those individuals were saved. Jesus didn't come before the nuclear attack. There's no guarantee he'll come before the nuclear attack but we should be just as excited about whether He does or doesn't. If they chain us to a wall and shoot us or they throw us in a fiery furnace, you know what we should say? Whether He comes to get me or whether He doesn't, He is still God and He will deliver me. I'm either going to die and be with Him or He's going to come get me in the midst of it. You have hope that others don't have. Your hope is in Jesus Christ. And as a result of having that hope that's in Jesus Christ, you can know for certain, I know if I die, where I'm going. Preacher, what if we have a plague? And what if we have this? And what if we I I don't have an answer. Jesus is coming one day, but you're not promised to be excused from all of that. Some of you sitting here, by this time next year, you'll already be in heaven. You say, you can't say that. It's happened here before. We've had individuals healthier than I am. Not that I'm the benchmark, but in good health. Younger than me. Gone. Like that. So, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying, could we not be hindered by being weary and doing what's right no matter what the circumstances? no matter how bad the economy gets or how bad the perilous times become, can we not get weary over doing the main thing? Let's just keep the main thing the main thing. Father, I pray-